Yes. <laughs> Rolling sound, quiet. Speed. So you're starting looking Speeding. at the lens, right? Four, five. This is your producer's cut. All right. So I'm obviously not going to leave you hanging. There is a part two to this. It'll drop next Wednesday. My sister has a lot more to share. And I'm hoping you're enjoying all the different perspectives of what's gone on thus far for the first, you know, 15 episodes. But I have a lot to say about this episode. So strap in. Let's go. And I'm not going to try to put them in some sort of sequenced order to make it flow well. I'm just going to go directly off the notes I took while listening to it. Just like me, my sister was able to use these podcasts to understand my dad. It was kind of validating to hear her say the same thing I did, which was, oh, I get it now. I understand. And I think a lot of us don't tell enough of our story to allow people to understand where the hell we're coming from. So the fact that my sister picked up on that was not just because it's our father. It had a bigger implication to me, which is if people take the time to listen and people take the time to share their story, well, then you might understand their world a lot more than you ever thought. My sister also mentioned how she was trying to get a lot of people to listen, but you know, oh, they're just, it's, it's hard for their lives to fit in the hour and, and sit down and listen. And, and this to me is something bigger than just this podcast. I think it might actually be a Doc's Daily Dose. Hell, I might do it for this week. And that's this idea that there's not enough time There's enough time for anything, for everything. But if you're so caught up in what other people are thinking, what they're doing, how fast you have to move, what's the next thing, go, 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 well, then, of course, there's no time. There's always time, and it depends on how you organize things. I mean, I listen to these podcasts on a drive because I know I have 45 minutes to get from home to the Supernatural studio. When I create these podcasts, the producer's cut and Doc's Daily Dose. I do them back to back and then edit them right there and then post them to be scheduled for when they're supposed to drop. Getting in my meditation, my workouts, that's my morning routine. I've got stuff like other people. I've got football practice every day. I've got football games. I've got clients that I talk to. I have friends that I visit with. We have barbecues. I've got work. I've got my own personal stuff. I have children and their events. But I make priority for what's important. All that other stuff, it's not necessary. Even social media, I make a specific time for that. People are like, how are you always so responsive in the groups and sharing on social media? Or now I've taken on this Mission Mondays, which I'm thinking about turning into uh, Testimony Tuesday, Wicked Wednesday, all the way, you know, every day of the week for making a short little video. You would think I wouldn't have kids or any kind of extra life. No, I do. I make time for that. I'm proactive in creating time. I don't let time dictate my life because to me it's just an illusion and you can bend it any way you want. But I don't do a bunch of extra crap that's not necessary. Hack away at the unessentials. My sister also talked about her feelings of, I guess, my parents towards me and her blowing up at this basketball game being kind of the straw that broke the camel's back and not actually just the thing. And I don't know if she's right in her assumption of what my parents felt about me versus her. I didn't see it that way, obviously, but I was on a different receiving end of my parents' love. I definitely saw a difference. And my sister said something pretty poignant, which was to the effect of the people who love you is what matters. Those folks supporting you makes you better. And that's why so many of us struggle. 
We look for support and validation through the things like social media, and it's nice. Don't get me wrong. I love it, too. I love when people watch my videos, check out the podcast. But could you imagine how hard it would be to do that if when I did that, no one else that I loved gave a damn? And I'll flip that on my sister a little bit now. I had another podcast I did that got to 30,000 listeners. I think she heard one out of like 300 plus episodes. I don't think she's heard any of these new ones that I've done. I don't know if my mom or dad listened to them. I know my wife doesn't, but imagine how much better I would feel if she did, if they did, and how much easier it would be to continue. Funny enough, after this played, I had got out of the car, and when I got back in to go meet a friend, it randomly jumped to an episode in Doc's Daily Dose, the one that was I Just Don't Know, where I wasn't sure whether or not I was going to do this thing. I don't think that would have ever come up had I gotten the support from loved ones from the very beginning. But it goes to my sister's point is those who love you are the ones that matter to you. Now, if you don't have that, looking for that validation from a stranger or a friend online could be a great source of support. I'm not knocking that at all. But you have to remember the time. There was no social media then. And we were kids. So the only support and love we're looking for are from the people we trust the most, which is our parents. So maybe that's a piece of advice for parents. I think it works for anybody, but especially parents. Support. Show love. Your love matters the most out of anyone else in the world to your children. Now the story about the stitches. I'm not really sure if my sister's right or I'm right, but I'll take her answer for it because it happened to her. But man... That joke, so you were created in my image, that might be one of the best jokes I've ever told on spot that just like popped in my head. I laughed so hard in the car while I was listening to that. I just wanted to pat myself on the back because of that joke. I thought it was excellent, and I hope that you laughed out loud as well. But speaking of those incidents with the head trauma, it's so interesting, and this goes beyond just those head injuries, but it's so interesting What people remember, even though they grew up together or in the same experience, you know, there's this old kind of psychological scenario, I guess they pose and ask people, which is you have two twins in a house. They experience everything the same in their life in the terms of where they're at. They're always next to each other. They see everything that the other person sees. They're in the same classes, everything. Dad's an alcoholic or dad's completely straight edge. And as they get older, one becomes an alcoholic and the other never touches a drink. How does that happen if they grew up in the same environment? Just because you grew up in the same environment doesn't mean that you see things the same way. Right. A simple example right now, if you're holding up your phone, looking at it, you see the screen. But if I was sitting across the table from you, I would see you not paying attention to me and I would see the back of your phone. Same scenario. We're sitting at a table together different perspective. Keep that in mind the next time you have some kind of feeling or feel some type of way about what's going on in a given circumstance. Also, I I do want to go back to the whole my parents didn't believe in her. I disagree with that. I mean, maybe they didn't show it the same way, but I just disagree. I think my parents wanted to show her a lot of love, but I think my sister, like she mentioned, was angry a lot. And maybe her anger was because she wasn't getting the love she wanted and she wasn't getting the love she wanted because she was always angry. So it just became this vicious cycle. So even though I do disagree with maybe her assumption on my parents' outlook, maybe she's right, which 
sucks. It would suck to feel that way. And I feel kind of bad that I never caught on to it at a younger age because I think there's something very similar in my sister and I in that we're both able to be empathetic. We can put ourselves in other shoes. But I think because we were brother and sister in each other's lives, we thought we were in the same shoes, or at least I did. And her empathy started a lot earlier than mine. I wish I would have caught that. I think everything would have been different. I would have stood up for her. But my dad did say he's just kind of old school and the men were with the men and the women were with the women. And I know even today when men have children with their spouses or partners, there's this thing about having a boy to carry on the name. It might seem outdated and misogynistic, but it's real. I just watched while my wife, who's a twin, her brother passed away. And the dad mentioned there's no one left to carry on his name, his family, his family's name, his legacy, their legacy. There will never be another Garrido from that bloodline. It's over. That must be a really weird thing to sense and feel. But it doesn't excuse what I think my sister is highlighting, which is fathers are just as important to daughters as they are to sons. Hell, if not more important. With all the shit that both men and women have to deal with, to think that a woman wouldn't need a positive role model, male role model in their life growing up, is absurd. So for all you dads out there who have daughters, for all you uncles who have nieces, for all of you teachers who have little girls in your class and you're a male teacher, know how important it is for them to see a positive male figure in their life. Yes, it's important to see a positive female figure for both boys and girls. My point is to not highlight one over the other. It's to make sure that they're all put on the same playing field. She also mentioned our similar approach to when my dad was using in the house to kind of keep ourselves safe. I never really thought about turning corners. I think because I always knew when he was high, because I just knew he was downstairs for extended period of time or in the bathroom or, so I just expected it. Mine was just making noise to be heard. But that just shows you the strength of a drug like that, how it can completely turn life upside down for everyone around you. So if you find yourself trapped in that situation as the user, know that it's affecting more than just you. I'm sure you're aware of that already, but it's not a way for anybody to have to live, child or adult. But, you know, listening to this episode, just like I did with my brothers, made me realize how much love I have for my sister. We're a lot closer now as adults, similar to how we were as kids. There was a little rocky thing that happened this past June. But also, she's in the thick of it. Her oldest daughter is 17, a senior in high school. And then she has a one and a two-year-old daughter, which I don't know why she had such a big gap. I mean, I do know why she ended up getting married later and having two kids with her husband now. But, oh, it was like she finished and then restarted. But so she's in the middle of it, right? Like, it's the grind for her right now with these two little human beings, back-to-back ages, just learning about the world and exploring everything around them. So I miss my sister. I haven't seen her as often lately. Still more than my brothers, though. And I'll see her for the barbecue with my brothers. But just to hear us laugh together and talk, and it reminded me of how much we enjoy each other's company. You know, another gem my sister dropped was not having someone around is sometimes better. We kind of talked about this in, I think, the last producer's cut about as you grow, not everybody can ride the elevator to the top with you. But she's right. 
no matter how much you love someone or want someone to be around, want someone to be better, want someone to be in your life, sometimes it's actually better if they're not. I think we've all been there, whether it's a family member or someone you have an intimate connection with, and you want that to work out, but it just messes everything up. It jumbles life. It makes everything chaotic and difficult, and you keep trying to work through it. But if you were able to just let go, everything might unfold in the way that it's meant to. And again, I know I'm jumping all over the place here. I didn't want to put this in some sort of thematic order because I just had so much to say about this episode. But I promise we're getting to the end. I can't believe my dad turned our house into a dope house while I was gone for college. With my sister being pregnant and a newborn baby in the house. That broke my heart. And my sister didn't want to tell me because she just wanted me to do my thing and be the man I am today. But I wasn't lying. Had I found out, I would have been like, come with me. I mean, I had a good friend going into my junior year of college when I came home over the summer. He was sitting on the front porch of his cousin's house right down the street from his own. And a bunch of gang members rolled by and let loose on the house and he got shot. And I told him like, man, get up out of here. Come to Iowa with me. You can save up tons of money. You'll be able to party like a college student but you don't have to do the schoolwork. I got it on lock over there. And he did. Now, it didn't end up working out with him because he was too busy smoking too much weed and not holding down his jobs that he ended up moving back home by the second semester. But I would have done the same thing for my sister because my dad turning our home into a dope house is inexcusable. I don't love him any less, but it's inexcusable. And I'm glad my sister said it Because after the next part of her episode, I'm going to give my dad a chance to respond. I don't remember if I specifically bring that up. And when I'm listening to it, if I don't, I might just have to have that conversation with him solo today. I know it won't make much of a difference now because that time is long gone. But I still think it's important for him to know it was inexcusable. And who knows, maybe he's listening to this and he hears me now. Dad, it was inexcusable. Still love you. But you need to know that. And the last thing I want to say about this episode, which is kind of the overarching theme for me throughout all of this that I think people should be aware of is if you do anything for long enough, you become good at it. It becomes normalized and commonplace. So if you do things you're not supposed to do for long enough, you become really good at it. And those around you internalize that and make it a common experience that that's just how life is. And that's not how life is or how it can be. We don't have to accept bullshit to become normal. We don't have to accept anyone treating us without the utmost respect and honor of simply being another soul on this planet. We don't have to accept living a life we don't want. You do have a choice. You really do. It's a very easy choice but it's sometimes difficult to execute because of our fears, our insecurities. But you don't have to allow something horrible to become commonplace. Don't accept that for yourself. Demand better for yourself and from others. I demand better from myself in doing these podcasts and the way I treat my family and the way I do my work as a football coach, as a supernatural coach, as a coach to my clients. And guess what? I demand better from them towards me and their efforts, because if they don't, they don't need to be in my life. It's just as simple as that. I don't have time to waste because I'm controlling my time. 
See how that came back full circle? Well, I appreciate you. Thanks for listening.